Welcome to the Geneva Peace Week podcast series, a project of the Geneva Peace Building Platform. Geneva Peace Week is a leading annual forum in the international peace building calendar. It's a week of workshops, videos and podcasts just like this one, hosted by different organizations and actors around the world. It's founded on the core belief that each and every person, actor and institution has a role to play in building peace and resolving conflict. You're listening to a podcast produced for Geneva Peace Week 2021, held from the 1st to the 5th of November, with both live workshops and pre-recorded contributions. For more content like this, join the conversation at www.genevapeaceweek.ch. Climate and environmental change can pose risks to peace and security by exacerbating already existing drivers of conflict. However, we still do not precisely know under which conditions such climate-related security risks emerge. Increasingly, we have more and better quality of relevant data, and we're also experiencing substantial improvements in computational capacities to process them. This helps us to advance our understanding of the complex interactions between climatic and environmental change on the one hand, and peace and security on the other hand. My name is Lisa Binder, and I'm a research analyst at Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research. In this podcast from PIC and the United Nations Environment Program, we are going to introduce you to three different initiatives from PIC and Adelphi, UNEP and the World Bank. All three initiatives are developing innovative climate security assessment approaches to support early warning, early action. We will not only focus on the different approaches themselves, but also discuss common challenges and how to address them. And we will discuss each approach with an expert from the ground to better understand the contextual climate security situation and the information, tools and policy support that is actually needed to contribute to peacebuilding efforts. You are listening to the first of two episodes. In this first episode, we will present and discuss two of the three initiatives that we will cover, namely, firstly, the Weathering Risk Initiative, which is led by PIC and Adelphi and in close collaboration with the German Federal Foreign Office, and then afterwards, Strata, the Earth Stress Monitor that is being developed by UNEP. With me now are Isa Lele and Barbara Sedova. Welcome. So let's start with a short round of introduction. My name is uh, Isa Lele, and I am a climate and resilience expert and a NORCAP deployee at UNDP Mali and of the National Meteorological Center of Mali called Mali Meteo. And uh, I'm currently conducting an integrated environment assessment in conflict-sensitive and disaster-prone region of central Mali to inform policy programming. I am also supporting Mali Meteo in capacity building in weather and climate forecasting and climate services. Thanks, Isa. My name is Barbara Sedova, and I co-lead a research lab at the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research. I'm a climate economist studying the complex interactions between climate impacts, migration and conflicts. I'm also the project lead of the Weathering Risk Initiative, which I will introduce to you today. Thanks to both of you for introducing yourselves and welcome again. So first of all, what is the Weathering Risk Initiative, Barbara? Weathering Risk is a global climate and security risk and foresight assessment. By combining various state-of-the-art methods, such as climate impact modeling, local conflict analysis, and machine learning, it aims to comprehensively improve our understanding and ability to analyze when and how climate change impacts undermine peace and exacerbate conflicts. 
Weathering risk further seeks to strengthen uh, the abilities of decision-making institutions to act on climate and security. And also the initiative aims to deepen the considerations of climate, sustainable development, security and peace building as cross-cutting issues in all programs to improve operational responses. As you already explained, Weathering Risk is jointly led by PIC and Adelphi in close collaboration with the German Federal Foreign Office. The initiative started in 2020 and will last for three years. In the first year, together with various partner organizations and experts on climate-related conflicts, we have developed a methodology to comprehensively assess climate-related security risks. Recently, the first field research of the weathering risk focusing on Mali has been completed in collaboration with UNDP and UNEP, testing the approach. Field research on climate security dynamics is underway in Somalia. You said weathering risk is a global climate risk and foresight assessment. So speaking of foresight, which timeframes is the initiative looking at? Our assessment considers three different timescales. First, the short-term horizon looks at up to four years ahead. Um, the medium-term horizon looks at five to 10 years into the future. And third, the long-term horizon looks approximately 10 to 30 years into the future. The shorter term horizons are more relevant to policymakers and operational planners. However, we want to ensure that the long view is not lost, given that many of the climate impacts will only materialize in the future. And what's the methodology behind your approach? Our assessment is centered around the concept of human security, covering all its aspects, including the economic, food, health, environmental, personal and political security. We consider all areas essential for a thorough climate and security assessment, such as assessments of climatic pressures, assessments of uh, socioeconomic and political stability, of drivers, dynamics and actors of insecurity, as well as assessments of climate change interactions with insecurity and peace. The key is to analyze risks now and in the future. To do this, we combine different state-of-the-art methodologies, whereby the evidence from every methodology feeds back into the other to verify the findings and improve the knowledge generation further. To be more specific, our multi-method approach consists of the following five steps. First, we conduct climate impact analysis using PICS data from the ISMIP project. Second, we conduct a contextual analysis of climate-related security risks via, for example, field research, such as the one in Mali, expert interviews, and stakeholder dialogues. Third, we use machine learning to test and validate evidence from the qualitative analysis, for example, to identify additional indicators not captured through the qualitative analysis. Fourth, using the results from the quantitative and qualitative analysis, we conduct foresight and scenario planning to develop a range of plausible futures. The final step is to identify appropriate preventive action to minimize the future climate-related security risks. Thanks, Barbara, for explaining those different steps within the weathering risk approach. Um, Isa, you already said that you are undertaking an integrated environmental assessment in Mali. So which perspective do you bring in regarding the weathering risk initiative and also the field of climate security? I must uh, notify that uh, the United Nations country team in Mali is undertaking that environmental assessment 
And this is in support of a UN peace, security and development mandate in Mali and in the Sahel region. And it's implemented by UNDP and the UNEP in Mali. It's also partnering with a weathering risk initiative to inform UN resilience programming and guide sustainable, inclusive natural resources management in priority conflict sensitive and the disaster prone region of Mali. Our assessment brought together various experts and the stakeholders from different sectors who worked in collaboration with government institutions and the local communities in the collection of needed information and data. So part of my role in this initiative was to assess the link and the interaction between climate change, fragility, and conflict, and identify climate fragility risk. I also translate the assessment into appropriate responses that link peace building, climate change adaptation, and development measures. Based on the assessment you conducted and on your role of linking climate change, fragility and conflict in Mali, um, could you briefly summarize what the major climate security risks are that you identified? Before answering the question, you must first know that uh, it's an ongoing study and it's at its early stages. So speaking about the result is too early. However, we know that Mali is a landlocked country and vulnerable to long-term climate change due to high exposure to the adverse effect of climate change, but also high population growth, diminished resilience, and multiple violent conflicts. The country is currently facing seasonal irregularity, which jeopardizes natural resource-based livelihood. And we must know that livelihood and security can interact with political and economic factors to increase the risk of conflict over natural resources, access, and use. We also know that agricultural development and changing environmental conditions have affected migratory livestock routes, pushing herders into areas where natural resources are under pressure or share use is not well defined. This also increased the risk of conflict, of course, between herders and farmers. We also know that the evolving conflict dynamics have strengthened the linkage between local resource disputes, ethnic, religious, community conflict, gender-based violence, and inequality and civil war. So local conflicts are becoming more violent, complex, and harder to resolve. We also know that weak governance and agricultural policies have created social and economic and political inequality that feed the conflict. They are briefly the major climate security risk Mali is currently facing. Thanks for providing this overview over the climate security risks you're observing. So from what I understand, they particularly relate to changes in the availability of and increasing pressures on natural resources which then increases competition over and exacerbates conflict between different groups of people, such as farmers and herders. You also mentioned contextual factors, such as weak governance and social, economic, and political inequalities that are further feeding conflicts. Based on those multiple factors, um, what kind of information do you need to support and improve knowledge generation for peace-building efforts on the ground? I must emphasize that... Uh... Our integrated environment assessment follow the UNEP approach to assess environmental, climate, and fragility risk across the Sahel and West Africa. 
So environmental and climate data catalog needed to support knowledge generation and peace building covers five terms in data approach. You have a climate, land degradation, demographic and social economic risk and water. As a sample of needed information, we have, for example, the drivers of environmental change, the pressures affecting the environment and the natural resources, the current state of key environmental indicators, the impact of environmental changes on ecosystem and on the economy, poverty, deepening inequality, including gender inequality, human health, the socioeconomy and the political factors. We have climate change related risk and the risk management strategy and response, both formal and informal, that is uh, policies and the behavioral changes. We need to identify also groups which are vulnerable to climate change impact and to understand how climate change affects these groups. Also, we have the weather information and climate services that are required to support adaptation mechanism. And then uh, demographic factors, migrations and internally displaced persons, growth rates by regions and villages are key factors needed for this kind of assessment. So, I mean, obviously, a lot of information are needed, including data on weather information, demographic and socioeconomic data, and key environmental indicators, as you said. And often the availability of those data is restricted. So do you see any gaps in data availability which hinder the assessment of climate conflict risks in Mali? So let us understand that mapping and quantifying the human environment system of Mali is complex. And this is due to the multitude of environmental and socioeconomic factors that have brought the country into its current state. We have no clear knowledge on the magnitude and direction of land degradation that has occurred or is occurring now. There is lack of a consensus between climate projection over the Sahel, especially in terms of precipitation of variability. It is also difficult to make conclusions about key environment and climate trend on a country's level. Future analysis should be conducted on the basis of ecoregion or based on geographic or livelihood strategies. Spatially explicit data can contribute to a better understanding of how the biophysical environment affects livelihood and vulnerability. However, we lack regional or national level climate data from the government agencies. Mali Meteo, for example, that is the National Meteorological Agency of Mali, has a significant number of weather stations in the field. But due to insecurity, it is difficult to collect data and to maintain these stations. We also have a lack of specialized headers, farmers' conflict data, artisanal mining sites, and high-resolution satellite imagery for tracking natural hazard, conflict, and extractive in real time. Although the government recognized climate change as a factor affecting Mali and its conflict dynamics, capacity need to be strengthened to identify climate-related security risks within the country. Abora, Issa just enumerated quite a number of gaps in data, including not only climatic and environmental, but also socioeconomic information, as well as lacking capacities for action. 
So in your assessment approach, how do you address these gaps? When developing the methodology for the Weathering Risk Initiative, we have held a series of workshops with a range of partners, including practitioners and conflict analysts. Lack of accessible and sufficiently granular climate information has been identified as one of the key challenges to comprehensively study the climate-related security risks. Thanks to the capacities at PIC, um, our initiative directly addresses this gap. As a part of the weathering risk, we make climate data easily accessible. For example, to accurately assess present and future climate impacts and risks, weathering risk draws on the work done by PIC's ISMIP project. ISMIP provides a comprehensive and consistent picture of the world under different climate change scenarios. It synthesizes the results of different global and regional climate impact models to better understand how climate change impacts will play out in the future and affect different sectors such as water availability, agricultural and health, and how impacts in different sectors interact and amplify each other. To make those complex climate data accessible to our project partners on the ground, we produce geographically and temporarily explicit climate risk profiles of future climate change impacts under different greenhouse gas scenarios, together with another project from PIC called Agrica. PIC has also other products such as the website Easypedia, where one can access information on future climate change impacts. However, as Isa mentioned, there remain existing gaps when it comes to accessibility of political and socioeconomic information at a sufficiently granular level when it comes to geography and time. Of course, having such data would be ideal for a nuanced analysis. For instance, for our case studies, we provide information on various climate impacts, including future temperature changes, water availability and agricultural outputs and more under two different climate change scenarios. However, from the literature, we know that what these climate impacts ultimately mean for peace and security strongly depends on the socioeconomic and political realities in the examined areas. Our multi-method approach particularly addresses this gap. But a more comprehensive collection of such information is beyond the scope of this project and we have to work with what is available in the quantitative research. Thanks for explaining how Weathering Risk is trying to fill in some of the missing data, um, particularly in relation to climate impact data, um, and then also for flagging the challenges that lie in the availability of granular socioeconomic data. And I think we will come back to this challenge in the second episode of this podcast. So let's now shift from the challenges relating to the assessment of climate security risks towards challenges regarding appropriate policy responses to address such risks. Um, Isa, you already said that the Mali government recognizes climate change as a contributor to conflict dynamics, but that there is a lack of capacity to address those risks. So maybe as a last question of this episode, What would be needed to ensure that the role of climate change impacts on security risks is appropriately integrated in policy responses for peacebuilding efforts? Okay, the concept of climate security has now been embraced by the Ministry of Reconciliation, Peace and the National Cohesion. So there is a policy commitment, mainstream climate fragility considerations into projects and programs that want to proactively build peace. 
While this assessment will help the government of Mali to understand the fragility, conflict, and climate risk, the linkages between them and the challenges and opportunities they present, it is important to draw an existing best practice for peace building and climate change adaptation to design and operate policies and programs to climate resilience and peace building. Preventive responses, including environmental peace building, can strengthen the resilience of local communities to climate peace and security risk. However, the inclusion of local communities, especially women and youth, is important. Thank you. Um, would you like to add any final thoughts on, on what we have or haven't discussed before closing? I will say that international partners and donors should encourage governments of vulnerable countries like Mali to integrate climate peace and security risks in their analysis to prevent climate-related conflict. I would like to emphasize that climate change impacts on conflicts are extremely complex. And while we have managed to improve our understanding over the past decades, there is still a lot we do not know. Methodological advances and availability of better and more comprehensive data helps us to advance our state of knowledge on climate-related security risks further. However, as the recent COVID-19 pandemic demonstrates, as a result of anthropogenic forces, the risk landscape is evolving very rapidly. Therefore, in addition to data and methodological advances, we also need to build new alliances fostering interdisciplinary multi-method collaborations to understand the new evolving threats to peace and security in the Anthropocene. Thank you both for um, closing by emphasizing the need for enhanced cooperation um, to understand climate-related security risks on the one hand, and also, of course, to prevent climate-related conflicts from emerging. So thank you both very much for taking some time to share those interesting projects you're working at and also for sharing your valuable insights on the work and the challenges you're experiencing. Thanks for participating. After having discussed the Weathering Risk Initiative, let us now turn to another initiative that deals with environmental security, namely Strata, the Earth Stress Monitor. With me now are Ifra Hassan-Farah and Marie Scallens. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Could you please uh, briefly introduce yourselves to our audience? Hi, everyone, and thank you, Lisa, for inviting me to this event. My name is Ifra Hassan-Farah, Program Coordinator for Somali Greenpeace Association in Butland, state of Somalia. I am a professional medical doctor and a project manager. I have five years of experience in social work programs, including environment and peace building. Thanks, Ifra. Great to have you. Hi, everyone. My name is Marie Scallens, and I'm an environmental security analyst at the UN Environment Programme. And my main job is to coordinate the development of this uh, climate security data platform called Strata. Thanks, Marie. So could you please start by explaining what Strata actually is and how it works? So uh, Strata is an online mapping tool designed to identify environmental security hotspots. And um, it supports project managers, analysts, and policymakers to really streamline climate security data into their daily work. So that includes design, monitoring, and evaluation of interventions or projects, awareness raising and training, in-depth assessments of climate security, and also providing advice and prioritization on interventions for decision makers. 
So currently we are finalizing the first pilot version uh, focused on Somalia and we will try to launch it in January 2022. You just said you're currently piloting it in Somalia. So does that mean you're planning to expand it um, to a global scale? No, the first pilot is really country-based. We will afterwards try to make a global version, but the global version is not um, the most relevant scale on which a lot of practitioners are working. So on ad hoc basis, we will be expanding strata to different national scales or even subnational regions or also international regions. We will make a global version of it, but that's more for um, dissemination tools and, and, and kind of showing how the tool works. But we don't expect that that will be the most relevant scale of the tool. Okay. And what's the methodology behind this online mapping tool? And maybe also what kind of data did you use to identify the environmental security hotspots? So we use a lot of satellite-based data, but not, not primary satellite data. We use derived products of them, such as like flood mapping, droughts, um, precipitation. Um, but Next to environmental and, and climate data, we're also using a second basket of indicators, we call them, on socioeconomic issues. So that will indicate how well the local people are actually able to, to cope with those environmental and climate stresses. And because we're a climate security platform, we also have a third basket of indicators which relate specifically to conflict events and, and, and problems on the ground. So those are the three baskets of indicators that we're using and data that we're using. Um, on the method, how we bring that together is uh, called, the method we're using is called the convergence of evidence. And it's a very simple approach that brings those data sets together by kind of flagging when each indicator for each different issue exceeds a certain threshold. So it exceeds a problematic threshold. Uh, for example, drought has been happening now for more than this amount of days, or there has been less than this amount of um, precipitation, which we think is critical. Then it flags that region as problematic. And then what the convergence of evidence approaches, it takes together all those data layers and counts the number of flags for different issues in one area. So then you can kind of easily identify hotspots where a lot of flags are coming together, where you have a, a hotspot of environmental and climate security uh, problems coming together. Thanks for explaining the convergence of evidence methodology you're using. Um, Ifra, how are you involved in Strata? Uh, well, I have been part of the consultation process of the Strata. I have been invited by Mary to give an important input of the environment and climate changes issues in Somalia. I have included in the Strata the knowledge of the environment and these development issues that I have known in the area. I bring a perspective with a focus on the current and future sustainable solution the environment and climate change induced insecurity in Somalia. So um, you are basically bringing in your, your expertise and, and perspective from the ground. Um, and could you briefly let us know what evidence of climate security issues you currently see in Somalia, how climate change is affecting the situation of conflict? We are experiencing climate-related conflicts on the ground. They include conflicts over water resources point and land grazing resources point relating to water scarcities and droughts. Water resources have become scarce and traditional grazing routes have become unusable. So competition among nomads over such grazing areas is increasing. Also land degradation, particularly in consequences of deforestation measures for charcoal production is increasing. 
This also leads to conflicts between those who need to produce charcoal for their livelihoods and those who want to protect their resources. And environmental changes contribute to lose of livelihoods option and increase in poverty, which makes recruitment of young boys and girls easier for armed groups. These climatic impacts that exacerbate conflicts in Somalia you just mentioned are closely linked to changes in the availability of natural resources and uh, also on their impacts on people's livelihoods. Um, based on your long-term experiences in Somalia, what kind of information do you currently draw on and what would you say is needed for your peacebuilding efforts? The information available now that's relevant to our work is stories from the elderly leaders, point of conflicts and civil society information resources during meetings and conflict resolutions events where they play a big role on to solve it. We need a better understanding and more information concerning the root causes of conflict in Somalia, but also information on solutions concerning possible policies and interventions that exist to solve such conflicts. We need information on integrated action relating to policy planning and programming in the areas of climate adaptation and mitigation, and also peace and development. Other gaps include lack of capacity, funding gaps, poor infrastructures in rural areas, and that the existing insecurity. So you're currently mostly drawing on the local knowledge you gain from the work on the ground, and um, you are pointing to the need for information on the root causes of conflict, which such climate risk assessments can contribute to on, on the one hand, but then also to the need for guidance concerning yeah, solutions on policy options and integrated actions. Uh, Marie, having heard those needs now, how, how do you address them in your approach? We actually really need to provide that kind of information really to practitioners and try to really close those gaps on information of root causes of conflict. So in the first stage of our project, we are focusing on providing that kind of data uh, we don't want to do this in a very prescriptive way, like this, this kind of environmental problem will definitely lead to a, uh, to a conflict, but instead we try to make the data accessible that could potentially be a root cause and could aggravate existing conflict or very fragile situations. So up to now, we really need to acknowledge that quantitative data is not able to fully explain the pathways from climate impacts or environmental issues to security impacts, but we actually really need that in-depth local contextual and qualitative knowledge still to understand those linkages. And therefore, we focus with Strata on making the quantitative data easily available. And we want to provide a simple overview of where different issues might be overlapping and need attention. And then on top of that, we try to provide guidance on how to interpret that quantitative data with the qualitative data people on the ground have and with this in-depth local understanding of a situation. And then I would want to add, because it's really interesting what Ifra also says about the solutions, like she said, they need information on solutions and on policy options. And we've heard this from more people in the field. So identifying and prioritizing the issues, what the, the first part of Strata is, is only the first step, actually. And the more interesting information for people on the ground, for practitioners and policymakers, is what comes afterwards. What are the solutions and actions we can actually recommend based on these identified issues? 
so we're working on making a catalog of existing nature-based solutions that then link with the identified hotspots. And we hope that can then inspire users in drafting their own solutions to identify actually uh, environmental peace-building practices to identify climate security risks. The resource gaps that Ifra was mentioning, we do not directly address with Strata, but by doing this very much as a co-design process and talking a lot with actors in the field, we do create a lot of ideas for projects and we do create some kind of community around climate security. And we hope that that can lead to more like funding applications and just a stronger network in general. You said Strata is working on making those quantitative data accessible and trying to provide guidance on how to combine those quantity data with the knowledge from the ground. So um, Ifra, in terms of the final tools and products, what would you say is needed to ensure that they are of real help for the end users? It needs to be easy, usable and access to all sectors, to everywhere. It should be available without internet or with internet and users should be trained on how to use the strata. Okay, and, and Marie, based on, on those needs that Ifrit mentioned, um, will you be able to, to provide such user-friendly and easily accessible products within your initiative? So Strata has a couple of features to keep it user-friendly. So first, we choose a very simple methodology to make sure all end users can understand, first of all, but secondly, also trust the basic calculations leading to what they are seeing on the platform. Uh, and I've mentioned the method already before called the convergence of evidence. A second user-friendly feature is that we make the platform flexible so that its outcomes and the visualization can be adapted to a local context. So users can select or deselect certain variables of interest and they can really just drag them out and put them in again. They can customize the thresholds over which certain issues are being flagged as problematic and they can even include their own data sets. Third feature that makes Strata user-friendly is that it will provide different types of interfaces. For example, we have a dashboard with set maps and diagrams that have limited options for customization, but we also have a more analytical mapping interface where more data-savvy users can actually go into and change the calculations, change the thresholds, change the data sets included, the time periods of the analysis, the geographical scope, and, and so forth. So that means you will basically provide different levels of complexity that will allow the end users to make use of such interfaces based on the experiences they have with data. And Ifra also mentioned the importance of providing offline tools and materials given the problematic internet connection in many regions. Will you also address this issue? Our first version is completely internet-based. It's built on Google Earth Engine, which is also completely internet-based, but of course the derivative products that we make can be very ad hoc and can be like as a team at UNEP to provide certain products and services offline. So we could write climate security briefs or a bigger assessment report and so on as a, a service or as a product that you don't need internet for. As we know, climate-related security risks are transmitted across time and space, and therefore their impacts on human security are quite difficult to assess. I'm, for example, now thinking about climate change impacts in, in one region of the world, for example, on, on food prices and food security in another region of the world. And migratory patterns and consequence of climate change would maybe be another example. So how important would you say is it to consider such nonlinear impacts and Uh, also, have you found ways to address those challenges in your assessment? 
So I would say we're doing quite well on the challenge of the temporal dimensions or like integrating different temporal dimensions into one tool. For example, looking at historical situation, what were the issues, looking at current situation, but also integrating uh, short term climate impacts and longer term climate impacts. So the convergence of evidence approach really tries to bring together all those kind of different temporal scales and also gives the choice to users on which temporal scale to focus. The spatial dimension you're men mentioning is one of the key challenges for us for now. And we've been trying to solve it. We've put some research on this, but we haven't cracked the code yet. It's really difficult how to analyze, analyze and how to visualize these kind of remote impacts and transboundary impacts of climate and environmental change on human security. But for now, the statistical approaches we tested was too context specific, for example, like deforestation, the effects of it on flooding downstream. And we could not translate those context specific transboundary issues to a more general tool. For example, uh, effects of desertification downwind or, or transhumans patterns. So if any of the listeners have good ideas on how to visualize these transboundary or remote risks uh, in a very generally applicable way, please, please let us know. We are already coming to an end of this discussion round. Um, I would like to ask you if you if you want to add any final thoughts on what we have or haven't discussed in this episode. Something extra that we still need to develop and that we have started thinking about within Strata are ethical guidance and how to develop and how to use this kind of climate security data tools. What is very sensitive data? Who are we putting at risk by sharing this kind of data? Who are we leaving behind by maybe using certain types of data and other types of data? Who are we leaving behind by taking a mainly online approach like Ifra also mentioned? And Are there any unintended consequences maybe from providing this tool as an open access tool? So those are my questions we still have and we're still working on and any ideas or inputs are very welcome on those. Yeah, thank you, Marie, for, for those important points you're making. Um, unfortunately, we don't have the time now to go into those questions in detail, but I think we will definitely discuss those challenges in our next episode as those seem to be quite common challenges when it comes to the conduction of environmental security assessments. Ifra, would you also like to add any final thoughts? Uh, I would like to suggest the physical training of the strata should be carried out and also community-based organizations should be enabled to use the strata. Thank you, Ifra, for pointing out the, this great need for not only the approaches and tools that are under development, but also for uh, related capacity building activities that are needed among all stakeholders. Thank you both, Ifra and Marie, very much for your interesting and valuable inputs. In this episode, we discussed two distinguished initiatives that are conducting climate security assessments to support early warning, early action, which were weathering risk and strata. Thank you so much for listening in, and we hope that you will also be listening to our second episode in which we will introduce you to the World Bank's initiative called Tools for Climate Change and Fragility, Conflict and Violence. We will further draw on similarities and differences of all episodes, as well as on common challenges and how to address them to support policymaking and programming for peacebuilding operations. So until next time. Thanks for joining us for this installment of the Geneva Peace Week podcast series. Don't forget to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review about something you learned. You can also visit our website to continue the conversation with the makers of this episode. Or join us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Geneva Peace Week. Above all, 
Thank you for being here, and we hope you'll join us again for another episode.